Blog Talk Radio. joining us again today. Today we're going to have another very interesting show, and uh, we've invited a few guests on for the second half starting at 6.30, who are involved with me and uh, Andrew Kane, who is the producer of uh, what will be a very special uh, evening next Thursday in New York City, April 24th. Uh, during which we will be honoring uh, Earth Day and um, International Day of Peace combined in an interesting synergistic way. So certainly uh, look that up. It's at www.abetterworld.tv. You cannot miss it. It's uh, rather uh, centrally located, and it will be an event worth your time and energy because there will be some really special people part of the panels. There will be a peace panel. There will be an earth panel. And uh, Gary Knoll, we just uh, confirmed just a few minutes ago, uh, will also be joining us right after the earth panel. So make sure you uh, get yourself there if you're anywhere in the New York region, tri-state area, and we'll be speaking more about that on the uh, other second half of today's show. For the first half, I want to invite anyone to call in at any time and speak with me about what I set up as the subject for today, although it's always far-ranging, as any of you who listen with any regularity know. That's what we do, far-ranging. If you're going to create a better world, you better be far-ranging, because what are you going to do, create just a better village? No, 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 no. Just a better town or county? Uh-uh. No, no, no. We are going whole hog. Now, that's a huge, huge mission, my friends. As I think you realize, it's more than one gulp. It's many. However, if you're going to do it, go, as Mr. Grajeev used to say, whole hog, including the postage. So on that note, I really would like to open up the calls and the phones to you all at 602-753-1860, and join me in the inquiry, in the conversation, the dialogue about how to go about creating that world. And until I hear from uh, any of you, I am going to uh, share with you my thoughts about how uh, such a thing, something as preposterous as creating a better world could actually happen. You know, I think I'm going to start with the preposterous idea of having a nation that is for the people, which is these United States of America. This was initially a concept that heretofore had not been known in this world. There had always been monarchies. There had always been dictatorships. There had always been rule from above, mandate of heaven. 
divinely endowed, ordained, preordained, foreordained leaders of one sort or another, usually by genealogy, heredity, legacy, genetics. But never before, as far as we know, had there been an experiment in building a republic and a democracy as we have here in the original, and I have to emphasize original, United States. When our founding fathers, and it should really be said, there were a few mothers in there too, uh, slightly put to the side, unfortunately, but they were there. And the other people who were very deeply involved, both uh, indigenous men and women, uh, because the women played a very prominent role in the Iroquois nation, which was largely the philosophical and ideological basis to our own Declaration of Independence, Bill of Rights, and Constitution. Uh, we formed a structure for government and, as I said, a philosophy of government that was for and by the people. And, as I said, until then, historically, if you cast your eye back, there had never been quite this type of antecedent. Even in indigenous cultures, where there's pretty interesting political uh social and economic arrangements, quite frankly. Pretty interesting and in some cases very innovative. Uh, and credit needs to be given. Um, but by and large, even there, there was a single leader or a small small council of elders, uh, senex in Latin, the wise ones, the aged wise ones, the seasoned ones, the fathers, uh, that's the archetype, would rule. And you see this across the entire planet. So when the United States came into existence, this was novel. And we could argue about whether it worked or it didn't work and whether we've gone back to a form of monarchy or oligarchy, or some say oligarchy, uh, it's all arguable and interesting to, to reflect on all of that. But at base, from the original intent, it was to create something truly new, truly novel as a body politic with the idea of liberty and justice for all. Well, almost all. <laughs> almost all. So, similarly, the idea of creating a better world for all, not almost all, but for all, uh, is as outrageous an idea as the founding of a country based on this type of ideology, this kind of premise that ours was begun with. I'd also like to just draw for a moment uh, from something that was begun back in the 1970s uh, through the mentorship and facilitation of Werner Erhardt, uh, truly in my eyes a hero in the 20th century who has not been appreciated to the full at all, but instead, like unfortunately, altogether too many heroes, was badmouthed and disreputed and lied about, rumored about, and uh, just to defame him because he brought so much to the table and there were reasons, political reasons, that certain groups decided to uh, seek to demote him in the eyes of the nation and then later the world. But not giving any of that credit, but just examining this man's contribution on its own merits, we will see among his other initiatives was one known as the Hunger Project. 
And back somewhere in the mid-70s, as I recall, uh, he made the utterly outlandish, preposterous uh, declaration that the Hunger Project was going to end world hunger by the year 2000. We have to remember that back in the early 70s, 2000 was approximately 25, a quarter of a century uh, years off into the future. And the notion of the 21st century, beginning with the year 2000, was a an opportunity for great fantasy and optimism and hope that by then human beings would have learned a lesson or two and would have decided to emancipate themselves from the various forms of slavery and imprisonment of their own mind, of their own thinking, of their own possibility, and would have been able to move on to a world of peace, a world of plenty, a world of sustainability, and dare I say it, love and peace for all. (laughs) Yes, come on now, if you're anywhere in your 40s or 50s, I'm sure you were bitten by the bug of the 60s movement when we really were speaking the language of peace and love all the time. And, uh, you know, we began thinking, is this possible uh, for society to really embrace? After all, this is truly the depth of the heart of man, to want peace to yearn for love, to bring love into one's heart as deeply as possible. And uh, there were many instances during the 60s and 70s of materializing, manifesting these wonderful high ideals. And um, so truly, I think it's fair to say that a good number of us back then who were outspoken about and embracing these kinds of values that were found really rather repletely in the hippie movement, as it was called, or the flower child movement as well. You know, they might not be the nicest names, but the essence was more than nice. The essence is God's sense. The essence is beautiful and really the kind of life we all most deeply want, I believe, I believe. I don't think people come into this life wanting war or wanting to be violent or wanting to be a bully. These things um, crop up. They arise for any number of different psychological and emotional reasons, as I have discussed on this show many, many times and will continue to because I feel that that gets to the root Uh, the psychology and, if you will, ultimately the ontology of our living here on planet Earth, our existential reality and purpose from a higher view of what it is we are to do here. It's an evolutionary conversation that we have engaged many a time and will continue to. But to circle back around, uh, the... Hunger Project was born out of the declaration that we can do this. This is possible. We are reaching far. We know we are. And that's right, folks. Dream big. Think big. Act big. And that's the kind of life when we get buried six feet under, we want to live. And that is exciting, and that is provocative, and that uses our life force to its maximum. After all, are we not after our human potential? Is that not the rainbow in the sky? What does it mean to be wholly human, to fully realize, actualize that potential? You could say, well, that that becomes a divine matter at that point because we've utilized all of our circuits. Well, yeah, 
that is exactly what I'm talking about. And I believe that the utilization of all of our circuits is exactly what we need to do to come into that headspace as well as heart space to unify our field so that peace and love become our middle names. And, uh, yeah, I know. It sounds far-fetched. A better world sounds far-fetched when you look around at what's going on in uh, all parts of the world, actually. All parts! You will see rumblings and tumblings and fumblings and crumblings, right? Wherever you look, conflict, tensions, violence, trafficking, slavery, imprisonment, negativity, foolishness, greed, lawlessness. Yeah, how in the middle of hell can you create heaven? Well, is there anything else to do? Is there any other nobler cause than to take the um, the sliver of light that we see and we walk on and with daily? Oh, yes. Our lives are not completely smited, if you will, around Passover time. I guess we can talk about smiting. Uh we're certainly not living a life of bitterness and suffering daily if you live in a place like the United States and uh, or Europe and you have some general semblance of a sustainable kind of revenue stream that is at least, if not um, uh, lavishly, at least modestly uh, kind of getting you through. And if you're even lucky enough beyond the economics simply to have a sunny disposition, uh, a belief of optimism or a declaration to be open and in love with life itself and the gratitude that that is part of that experience. If you are that type of person of which there are many, many, many all over I truly know and believe and have observed people, so-called average, I don't think it's average at all, but it's the norm of people on the ground doing their thing. There is a level of joy and well-being and gratitude for life itself, separate from its entrapments and accoutrement and... uh, garnishments, embellishments, if you will, that becomes the basis of creating a better world. It's not the things, but it is the spirit inside that we nurture and we cultivate. And God knows we need a support structure. We need a roof over our head. We like the Internet. That's how we're communicating right now, through that and telecommunications. So we are grateful for so many of the technologies that have come to us uh, through what uh, my good friend David Christopher called the modern mind. These are creations for which we really are grateful. But it doesn't mean we have to be governed by them. And we don't have to be governed by that thing called money or that thing called power. We just don't have to be. And if we can be free of those, yet utilize the technology, have a roof over our head, have some food on our table and water, you know, we can lead with our hearts and souls mobilized and the use of our prefrontal cortex, which gets developed through such things as meditation and yoga and Tai Chi Chuan and Qigong and zazen, and simply paying close attention to the workings of one's own mind, paying attention to breathing, sensation, the physical movement of the body, sort of the inner work that George Ivanovich Gurdjieff discussed, or through prayer, or deep faith. All of these are ways and means, actually physiologically... um, Uh, verifiable to have effects 
on our consciousness that allow us to be rooted, that allow us to be focused, that allow us to be grateful, and allow us to be productive in the direction of creating a better world. When we develop our prefrontal cortex, this has been proven out through the brilliant work of Dr. Richard Davidson and many other neuroscientists. Uh, Joe Dispenza actually will be on next week. Not long ago, we had Dr. Stan Tatkin and Dr. Rick Hansen, neuropsychologists, talking about the <clears throat> uh, neurophysiological correlates to states of peace, happiness, joy, intuition telepathy, and well-being. Also, territory is a feeling of brotherhood and of sisterhood, of paternity, of maternity. I never put it that way. But uh, yes, in, indeed, it's true. It's that oneness, the feeling of unity of all mammals, of all species, of all sentient life, as the Buddhists and Taoists would say. We, from that space, can actually create a sense of peace and well-being on the planet, which becomes the basis of creating a better world. When we're having these kinds of states, this kind of ongoing, consistent state of being, the idea of greed, the idea of mass accumulation and acquisition, the idea of hurting another being of any type is off the table. It is not on the table. Our reactive reptilian mind has been put to rest. Oh, it's there, and we want it there. It has been given, and we will use, but not to dominate. And we're living in a society dominated by the reptilian function, which is a fight-and-flight survival function, and it has its own intelligence. Oh, yes, but it's not there to be leading the way. It's there in the back seat to be utilized at moments of need. The driver's seat is much more what we find to, as a result of brain coherence and heart coherence, uh, reference the HeartMath Institute that has done such beautiful work in, in um, tabulating the science and the research, the studies that corroborate this notion of heart coherence and discuss the 40-some-odd thousand neurons, neuroreceptor sites we have in our entire cardiac region. How fascinating. Those that are not yet, in, that are not in our gut. So yes, we think with our gut, folks. And this is really a lot of old news to anyone who listens to a better world with any regularity because this is what I discuss. You know, after all, I am a holistic psychotherapist and coach. And if I didn't think more broadly out of the box of standard psychology, I would not be doing you all and my clients a good favor. Uh, I think we need to get down to the physiological substrate of the work we do, the role of the emotions and the way they affect our blood chemistry, the way our hormones affect our thinking. Then you can get to the basis of behavior and attitude formation and then begin to uh, mutate those, to morph those, because so often if we've inherited just what we have from our parents, while some of it's really, really good, some of it ain't so hot. And those are the aspects of our personalities, of our ego, what have you, that really need to be upgraded. The phone number is 602-753-1860. This is your host, Mitchell J. Raven. A couple of quick announcements while I have my ears open for any of you who may want to call in and dive into this conversation with me. I'm really talking about how does one leap into, quantum leap into the idea and making the declaration of creating a better world. I use the very formation of the United States of America as an example of making such a preposterous declaration, and yet it came to be. 
another, uh, and there have been many over the course of centuries. I I quickly fast-forwarded to one that was just sort of on the tip of my mind, uh, The Hunger Project, because uh, Lynn Twist, who wrote The Soul of Money, who we had on when I was on PRN and will be on PRN again in uh, in relatively short order, doing a show called The Progressive uh, Film Hour with Mitchell Rabin. Uh, I had Lynn Twist on, who was the the primary mover behind The Hunger Project, who raised some good, uh, God, what was it? Possibly even up to $100 million for The Hunger Project. And they have, they continue on today. They are robust. They are in countries around the world doing awesome work. And uh, it just, wow, we just have to take our hat off to them because they just continue to do so much good. And it's through making a declaration of what you want to happen, not what you maybe have been taught is possible from your past because hey, that's going to be limited. That will be narrowed because there hasn't been a long time in history where people have been so good and judicious with each other or have been just peacemaking without war and violence and conflict to one degree or another. So just looking back into the past is not necessarily on any level, including Wall Street, a good predictor of the future. But if you uh, declare, as Werner Erhard would say, since I have had him as a theme in my talk today, uh, that you just create out of nothing, out of the empty space but high intelligence of your heart, to create the kind of world you want, that is when it begins to happen. That's how it begins to manifest. Now you could say, what does any of this have to do with, let's say, uh, signing treaties and making agreements between groups such as the Russians right now and the and the Ukrainians and Crimea in between and uh, how do we make peace in Israel and Palestine if we can't sit down at the table? Well, Sure, we have to do those things. Of course, we need to sit down and work out how we're going to relate to each other socially, economically, politically, and who is going to be uh, sharing what resources environmentally and who is going to be reducing their carbon footprint where, how, and what size is going to be that footprint as we carry on the conversations. Of course, but if you do not get, if we do not get to the, let's call it the, the psycho-emotional, spiritual substrate of who people are and what are their values and what are their priorities, and instead of asking uh, and looking at what are my rights here, if we look at something that I very much appreciate from the Jewish tradition, especially during this week of Pesach, of Passover, we look at what are our obligations? What are our obligations to help our, our fellow brothers and sisters, our family, our larger human family, our larger sentient family altogether? When you ask that question, i.e., how do I serve? What can I give you? Can I open this door for you? Can I give you something so you can have a bite to eat tonight. That changes the game. There's a different energy that arises inside somebody. And it's an actual different physiology when we are thinking about others instead of ourselves. Instead of the me, we go to the we. We go to the us. And we go to the thou, as Martin Buber said. We turn from I to thou. Powerful. It's also simple, and we all do it really all the time. It's not like we have to reinvent the wheel. This is, in a sense, really who we are. And uh, 
I'm just really kind of inviting us all in thinking about the creation of a better world to do just that, that same energy that we have to hold a door open. My next uh, piece for the Huffington Post is going to have something to do with relationship of courtesy as an expression, and act of love. Because I think we way too often overlook the simple things as acts of love and generosity. So I hope you all enjoyed that uh, little uh, monologue, which sets the stage for what we will be engaging with our guests for the second half of today's show on the subject of, yes, peace and love, two of my favorite subjects, and uh, we'll be looking specifically at the uh, sense of love that a particular gentleman, Andrew Kane, has and has been expressing through a certain event that he has been putting on for the last, well, this will be the eighth year, uh, in the name of the earth and in the name of peace. And I have invited two people who will be speaking at this event and participating in it along with Andrew and myself and I just found out Gary Null as well and a number of other people who are very involved and caring and committed to outcomes on our planet who are very committed to creating a peaceful world and uh, it's very exciting for me to have on, yet again, two very special people, both of whom I am happy to claim as friends of mine, uh, Deborah Moldau, who uh, will be joining us first, and then Paul Slakas of Good News Broadcast and Good News Planet. Deborah Moldau, wow, she is both an ordained interfaith minister committed to assisting the transformation of human consciousness that will lead to a culture of peace. She contributes to this global effort through her ministry, through an international peace work, interfaith efforts, speaking, writing, singing, and she has also been deeply involved at the United Nations, uh, is now a representative there for the World Peace Prayer Society. And in fact, when Deborah and I first met in the mid-90s or so, we were both engaged in... Um, another UN event, which we actually originated back then, called the Season for Nonviolence, which was in particular um, acknowledging and, um, and celebrating the births and deaths of Mahatma Gandhi and Martin Luther King. So, Deborah, are you on with me now? I certainly am. Thank you, Mitchell. Absolutely, Deborah. So good to have you, know, you on I again. I want to start by saying long. something about the season for nonviolence because you just brought it up, and Please. I'm always deeply moved by that recognition that goes beyond Martin Luther King Day. Yay, we get a long weekend. To really having a a time period of six weeks to to yes. talk about nonviolence and to acknowledge the heroes of nonviolence because. You know, you were just describing our culture, and it, we have these um, ironies in our culture where we hold up men like Gandhi and Dr. King in great reverence and honor. But whenever there's a problem, does anyone raise her hand and say, shouldn't we consider a nonviolent solution? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like not on the radar. Isn't so, that true? cognitive dissonance has to be healed. Yes, exactly. Isn't it odd that, you know, we react instead of respond? And what we're reaching into, our, our arsenal should be an arsenal of peacemaking and love. I mean, I know I always sound like an old hippie. Can we please call that a, tool, a toolkit or a toolbox instead of an arsenal? <laughs> That's right, exactly. I'm sure. Well, I have flowers here. You know? yes. <laughs> but right, I, I would way prefer a soul kit, sure. But, you know, since we have the word, we could use it for something, you know, very 
positive and and sort of take the violence out of the word, if you know what I mean. Right. But you know. Did you ever catch yourself saying uh, using the expression to kill two birds with one stone, and then you go, "What did I say?" I know (laughs) exactly. Exactly. Every time I use it, and I do use it, I wince. Right. I don't want to kill any birds. Exactly. We need our language consciousness. It's so important. Exactly. Exactly. Deborah, you have been on the path of peace for as long as I've known you and many years before that. What is it that originally inspired you to to enter this path as really has been your life a major part of your life expression? Well, that is an interesting question because uh, I spent the whole first uh half of my life or a large portion <laughs> maybe more than half uh in theater yes. and um ah. yeah uh-huh. and it wasn't until i had a kind of a a midlife crisis around that that i sat down in meditation one day and i heard it's time for your real work to begin i was like okay well what's that and i heard be a minister and uh, this was um, certainly not anything like what I was expecting. And uh, but <laughs> but it turned yeah. my life around. It changed my life completely. And it was after I was ordained as an interfaith minister that I was introduced to the World Peace Prayer Society, another mm. life-changing experience. Yeah. And as perhaps. Some of your listeners know the World Peace Prayer Society is dedicated to only one simple goal, and that is to share the prayer, may peace prevail on earth with everyone, everyone of every culture, nationality, language around the world, religion, no religion, it doesn't matter. Everyone can align on that message. And that message came out of the, 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 the depth of suffering in Japan at the end of the Second World War as a real beacon of hope for humanity. Mm. And uh, and since then, it's traveled the world. It's been translated into every language. And as you well know, it appears on peace poles that have been planted by individuals and organizations and schools and communities. I have, Deborah, something you gave me many moons ago, Right in front of me, on my desk, may peace prevail on earth in, let me see all the languages. Yep, I can even pronounce it in most languages. So, thank you very well, much. Well, I know and that yes. you've lived that message, Mitchell. I know it's very close to your heart, so I'm glad yes. that, that you keep that symbol in front of yeah. you. It's very exciting when you're someplace and you see a peace pole unexpectedly. There's that feeling of of community of global family that we're all in this together isn't that true in fact do a lot to your work over the years for the peace prayer society deborah i have gone you know i have traveled the world and i have gone to some places where i would see the peace pole there and i'd say oh this is fabulous it has reached here too you know and i I, I realized I certainly can't take personal credit for that because the vibration no. of this message is where the power yes. is. And that is the magnet that that uh, pulls people toward this completely non-sectarian prayer. And and yes. right now in this at this time, which is such a critical turning point for the future of all humanity, I think many of us feel that the 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 vibration of human consciousness, of our very beingness on this planet is rising. And that may peace prevail on earth is in alignment with that new frequency. Yes. yes. And that is the pull. That is the true. cosmic pull. Right yeah. now, right this second. We're right in the midst of it. We're, we're, we're in mid-evolutionary leap. Yes. Yes. What a beautiful way of putting it. <laughs> I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And, you know, I want to introduce our other dear colleague and good friend, Paul Slotkus, who is the founder and producer of Good News Broadcast and 
Good News Planet, and Paul and I have been kind of holding up the the media wing for decades at this point uh, regarding our that. larger movement. Thank you, and, thank uh, you. Yes, of course. We are both pleased and honored to fulfill that vibration and that role. And uh, Paul has a stunning background in uh, television production at uh, WNET and PBS for decades doing very good positive work and out of which came Good News Broadcast and I have been affiliated with that over the years uh, at different times stronger and uh, we have been good friends and he will be moderating the panel that you will be a panelist on at this upcoming event that I mentioned. Paul, are you on the line with us? I am. Can you hear me? I can. I'm so glad. It's it's a far way from smoke signals, isn't it, Paul? <laughs> yes, it is. Right next to the 59th Street Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> we have come a far way, a far way. And so we'll be all involved at uh, the 8th Annual World Peace Earth Day Celebration and Benefit of 2014 with the theme of Awakening Humanity's Consciousness for a Better Planet. That will be taking place next Thursday, April 24th, at the Subud Center on 29th Street between 7th and 8th Avenues. And go to www.planetheart.org, planetheart.org for more information, for tickets, and all of that. Paul, my dear friend Paul, share with us what your interest is in this whole project. Okay, well, uh, I uh, thank you, uh, Mitchell, by uh, far a wonderful close friend for many years. And Deborah, hello, Deborah, how are you? Hi, Paul, great to hear your voice. Um, so we've all been involved with the world of peace for a very, very, very long time, and uh, and Andrew's project, I guess, since the inception uh, as well. Uh, and, you know, Andrew has uh, continued on with uh, his mission, and uh, I love the fact that it's Peace and Earth Day related, because without peace, we don't have a nice Earth Day. And uh, every day we all know is Earth Day. So, you know, I'm just really happy to be supporting and to be uh, moderating as you're in moderating the uh, environmental panel uh, with a lot of wonderful people and uh, it's going to be a wonderful wonderful uh experience for everybody it's going to be some entertainment and uh, there as well in addition to a lot of people talking about good things paul are you going to be singing no <laughs> i might bring my saxophone down uh, with, uh, okay. with, uh, with rick Ulfick. Rick, rick's going to play the piano well, we'll see. Okay, great. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Deborah, okay, we won't ask you to sing, Paul. Deborah, maybe you would sing. Are you going well, to Well, maybe. Uh, I have sung with Rick Alsick on some really wonderful occasions, including uh, the UN Memorial for Robert Mueller, and uh, yes, about a year ago right we performed together in China. That's right. That's so right. It's possible. You both went to China. That's yes, we right. did, for the International yeah. Day of Peace. God, yes. Oh, I wish you had had a, another ticket. I would have gone. I would have played harmonica like Robert Mueller. Not that good. Not that well. <laughs> another time. Another time. No, that's great. And Deborah, uh, in fact, at Robert Mueller's, um, I think on other occasions too, but I remember your singing there, and it was so deep and so touching. And uh -huh. wow. That, that might a be a beautiful thing to do on that peace panel. That was such a beautiful occasion. Uh, you know, I want to say something um, about this um, World Peace Earth Day event. Please. Uh, I was talking about the Peace Pole Project and the sense of community that that gives us. And uh, I feel a, in a similar way about the Planet Heart event in terms of the local community in New York. It, it, it's the people who turn out for this event are the people who are committed at the heart to this shift on our planet. 
And I, I'm so touched that this year uh, Andy Kane has included peace with Earth Day yeah. because there's no question that we can't we can't celebrate the Earth and be waging war on her precious body. You know, these, these two things must go hand in hand. We must that peace must prevail on Earth. Yes. And. Yes. And perhaps beyond, but if we don't get our act together here, <laughs> we're yeah, not going to meet Yeah, it ain't going to happen there. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. People so will be really fleeing Earth. Come yeah. and, and create this, this sense of, of this uh, important coming together around these two concepts of healing the Earth and healing humanity of our violence yes. at the same time, in the same place, uh, as one voice, as one consciousness in this very, very joyful event that Andy ha- and Rick have created. Yes. Well put, and I, I very much appreciate it, and I think it's really true. I, I have emceed his event in the past, or his, uh, it's really our event uh, that he uh, really kicked off, and I know the energy, and you're right, right on, uh, it's a community. It's just there are those of us who happen to be sort of in the front and facilitating, in a sense, on stage and like the way we do because for whatever reason we're the ones that are chosen to do that. But the reality is there is a lateral energy, a symmetrical energy. Everyone is participating. Audience is always as important, if not more than anybody else. I, I like to think of it as lateral. And everyone makes it special. And it is really true that, well, we've been doing them at Meta Center for the past number of years, uh, but the Subit Center is just sort of a, a little bit of an evolutionary leap for Andy. And uh, so we want to be there for him very much and for this purpose because it is a chance for us all to come together and as we say in Chinese, schmooze and party and <laughs> smile and hold hands and laugh and listen and also get very sober about the nature of uh, the planet. I, I feel very strongly about being very aware of what's happening, which gives us a baseline for where we have to go. Paul, your comments. Well, you know, I, I agree with all everything you, you said, Mitchell and uh, and Deborah. And uh, you know, it will be a wonderful forum and, and interactive as well. We'll take questions from the uh, people who uh, who attend it. You know, I, I like to always uh, think on the world in a way that uh, most of the world is living in peace. And uh, unfortunately, you know, with this most sometimes the media we don't see that and all the people yep. that are helping to be peaceful and are not bothering anybody just living their lives so i think we'll we're really going to get into some nice areas uh about inner peace and about outer peace i think inner peace uh, helps for you know stabilizing someone so they're not you know doing things on the outer world to make life more yeah. difficult for their world so i think that it'll be a wonderful panel we have a lot of good people, and uh, and we'll, I'm sure also have a great audience of of, of good thinkers that'll that'll share their thoughts as well. This Very is true. so key. This is so key because yeah. Mitch, you were speaking earlier in the program about the history of governance on this planet and how, mm-hmm. in the past, it depended on one ruler of each group, each tribe, each kingdom, each nation had the one strongest guy who was at the head of the chain, and that democracy, uh, now we live in a representative system. So we have representatives, and that gives the people a voice. But where we're moving is even more distributed. Now Mm -hmm. everyone is equally important, and there may be someone that, that gets elected to be president or who sits in the front of the room with a microphone because that's part of their job, but everyone else has a job also in this yes. in this distributed consciousness that is guiding the humanity toward the next level of our evolution. So everyone mm-hmm. counts 
equally. And the person who's making the tea is just as important as the person who's, who has uh, the best seller in the New York Times. We're yeah. all in this together in a, in a radically equal way that's never been experienced before. We're finally yeah. getting it that there's no other that we, that we, truly we're That's in this right. together, and that together we can do things. We can address some of these very challenging issues that are right in front of us now um, on this planet. We have huge, huge challenges, and we can't fix them at the level of consciousness where we've been in the past. We have That's to make sure. this leap together. You and Albert uh, Einstein, um, Deborah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. We came to the same conclusion, obviously. <laughs> I'm going to ask a I'm going to ask a question to the panel and to the audience. You know, can technology uh, bring us peace? You know, can can the World Wide Web bring us peace? Because yes. it's very powerful. We have lots of worldwide producers now. You know, billions get on right. and they get communities and uh, their messages can be heard. Where in no other time could that be so easy and so inexpensive to make happen. Exactly. Isn't that true? In fact, that's a good point, Paul. Deborah, as you were speaking about the kind of a yet a new level of democratization of our society, I was thinking, of course, about the Internet and how that has a, a tremendous democratizing effect. It really is a verb, and I think we should be thinking of it as a verb instead of a noun. I live in a democracy. No, I am democratizing our lives. Do you know? It's a different feeling, and it's much more participatory when we look at it that way. And the Internet has really given us that voice, as you say, Paul, where everyone can be involved in the artistic creation of a better world. And it's given us a platform, and YouTube, and uh, websites and you know all of the social media give the world a voice i i really like to think that people are using it for the good instead of letting us know you know what kind of toothpaste they use this morning but you know it takes a while for people to make good use of the technology in their hands <laughs> but I think you, you, know what you I mentioned mean, you just you. mentioned a technology that's even more powerful than the internet which is our language and uh, I, I, um, I purchased a premium on WBAI last year of a, a DVD called The Language of Spirituality. Uh-huh. And the point of the DVD, which was the most fascinating thing I've ever heard, is that our language is based on nouns, things, and our culture yes. is based on things. And yes. things you can buy and sell and steal and you can you can consider people as objects if you your language is based on nouns apparently there are native american and other languages that are based on verbs what you just right. said so democratizing mm-hmm. that's right and, and deborah the lecture that you're referring to I know it very well <laughs> it was on uh, the indigenous voices show Excuse me? That's right. That's right. It was Right, right. I've heard that lecture several times. I'm so impressed with it. I'm so glad you referenced it. I think it's so important. And in fact what he goes on to say is that uh certain native American languages, two people can have a conversation all day long and not use one noun. That's right. It's it's right, remember that? It it's exactly. something that we just don't know and it that the way our language will concretize our brain into certain kinds of neurocircuitry. So we start to conceive the world as things instead of as a, let's say, what Lao Tzu would say, as a process. Exactly. And the dance of of the atoms, and which was the scientist who said he knows what's in the uh, nucleus of the atom, but he cannot describe it in our language. And when he heard the Hopi language, he and uh, you know I think of it also as the ancient languages like Sanskrit that were describing the dance of the universe. This is all about relationship. Everything is in a constant dance of motion and vibration. And That's the right. vibration of our words is is helping to form 
our reality. And that's why a prayer like May Peace Prevail on Earth is so important. Exactly. It becomes, I mean, what is a mantra? You know, in, in our English, we take these ancient notions like mantra from Sanskrit or like even pundit. Pundit is now a fellow who gets on the nightly news and espouses his views about the economic and political realities of the day. But that's not what a pundit is. A pundit is a man or woman of great sage wisdom that has been cultivated over the course of many, many decades in the lotus position. Not necessarily, but you know what I mean. And uh, But it's not somebody who just has a bunch of stats in his brain about Wall Street. It has nothing whatsoever to do that but to do with that but you know these days younger people could think that that's what it means because they don't have the historical understanding of what it really means correct (laughs) (laughs) well like am i alone (laughs) we've created our own box and then we live in it as so you know we can't get out but we, we exactly, did. exactly. So when we come together, How do I get out of my box of words. <laughs> right. When we come together right. at an event like uh, the World Peace Earth Day event, we have exactly. this opportunity to put the collective heart and mind together and right. create new thoughts and and new visions for the future. That's right. Paul, I very much another, appreciate another question. The question. I'm going to talk about. Oh yeah, about please. Is, yeah, give is, us a little. Is, um, it actually is, behind the you know, there's a book, Jerry Jemposky, a long time ago, Love is Letting Go of Fear. And yep. it seems that a lot of uh, non-peaceful ways of life are based around fear, fear of not having enough food, fear of someone taking over your land, fear of this, and so on and so forth. So yep. I wonder, how do we, how do we all uh, in the world uh, not be so fearful, enough to cause more to each other? And these are the kind of things that, you know, I think we'll all maybe can talk about and figure out or at least That's start right. conversations on. That's right. And the panel that I'll be moderating, I'll be asking questions about how can we develop a relationship, a living, vibrating relationship with Earth as a living being uh, that's captured in the word Gaia uh, instead of as a... Uh, a big rock that we can squeeze certain kinds of juice out of to sell for dollars, you know, and uh, wage wars on behalf of, you know, who has the most of the juice. You know, I want to see about and form an inquiry into how we can develop a relationship that is living and respectful and loving and sacred So just like we would take care of our parents or loved ones, so too we would take care of our earth. Uh, That will be the kind of inquiry we do on uh, that panel. And we have and to do some very practical looking as well about how to move into renewable energies. You you can't stop squeezing juice out unless you have some way of running our our cars. You know, it's just not going to happen. But if we have alternatives, which we do, then we want to talk about those things. That's the technology part, Paul, of our panel of looking at how to use technology instead of it using us. So, Great. well, I, I really so appreciate both of you uh, being on A Better World today with me and sharing your, your hearts with our audience. And uh, Deborah, please, both of you, if you would give us some closing words for from yourselves as well as regarding the uh, upcoming next Thursday's event. Paul, you go first. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, I'm thinking about Why that, not? Deborah. <laughs> and Susanna be on there, Beth Rika. Uh, you know, the, the the group that'll be there are just, you know, people that have really, you know, paid, I'm going to say paid their dues in the world of peace and love and harmony. So uh, my closing words is that it's just a, a, another one of the wonderful opportunities for people to uh, to, to band together, to, to think together, to, you know, be with each other. 
in, in a peaceful way, and uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, Mitchell, yeah. as always. Absolutely, Paul. I'm so glad you're on today. And give your website so people can tune into Good well, News Planet. The, the one that I think about right now, is, well, we have goodnewsplanet.com, but we also have peacedayparty.org where we're really, really focused on, on world peace and uh, from what we did in Times Square last year in Central Park, and now yeah, we're expanding it out to uh, Los Angeles and Vietnam. We have something going to happen there, and whole bunch of different places. So we're very excited about peacedayparty.org. Oh, thank Fabulous. you for mentioning that, name. Paul. That's so, that's so important because uh, I've been working with the United Nations for many, many years now to expand yeah. the International Day of Peace as truly a global celebration. So we want mm-hmm. to encourage everybody to mark that date, September 21st. It's a Sunday this year, so it's a wonderful day to get outside Go to your local peace poll, take a moment of silence for world peace, and then go celebrate. Have a concert, have a picnic, have a church service, whatever rings your bell. Do it in the name of peace on September 21st. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. That's a great note to uh, end and begin on, if you will. So thank you both for being on, Paul Slotkus and Deborah Moldau, for being on with me today to talk about things that are so important to us. It's really very rich. Do you have a website, Deborah, that you would like to direct? I mean, I know you're involved in so many things, uh, uh, Source of Synergy Foundation and World Peace Prayer Society, etc. Is there yes, one that you World would like to direct Prayer our Society audience to? Worldpeace.org. So that's an easy website. That's, that's an really easy one to find. And, um, and evolutionaryleaders.net, and if you want to find links to all of these, you can always go to revdebra.com. Oh, beautiful. Thank you again, both of you. And I'll so thank you, and may peace prevail on Earth. Exactly. Thank you both. Wonderful. So you have heard from two of the people among many who will be participating in Planet Heart, the 8th Annual World Peace Earth Day Celebration and Benefit in 2014. It's next Thursday, April 24th, starting at around 4.30 or so. There will be exhibitors there, by the way, with all sorts of interesting good food and organic chocolate and all sorts of fun things like that. So please come and be part of the celebration your participation and your presence is meaningful. If you go to www.planetheart.org, planetheart.org. I also want to mention uh, Rick Ulfick of We the World, which is the uh, fiduciary sponsor of uh, Planet Heart. And uh, we really want to thank Rick and all of the other people who are participating in this one way or another. And there are many, too many to name right now, but they're all listed at planetheart.org. You can find out more about it. I'm pleased to say literally minutes before getting on the air today that I spoke, I communicated with Gary Null and his uh, social media director and uh, Gary committed to being on with us next Thursday. He'll be giving a talk. Gary has been a real leader, not just in health and wellness, as so many people have, uh, so many people know him uh, as, but also as a real leader in the environmental movement in so many ways. In fact, uh, on what may have been the first Earth Day. Uh, he released a book all on uh, eco-health, being eco-friendly and sensitive in your daily routines and in uh, maintaining your household. So that's what we all need to do is maintain our household in a, in a sense of peace, of gratitude, well-being, and eco-friendliness. So on that note, I want to just thank you all for being with us today. And please forward this uh, show. You know, many people listen in archive. Forward it to your friends who you think should be at our event next week. It's coming up April 24th at the Manhattan Subud Chelsea Center from 4 until 11. 
It's really going to be good. Lots of healthy food, exciting tables, sacred ceremonies, live music, a peace panel that Paul will be uh, moder- uh, moderating, and the earth panel that I'll be moderating with a lot of wonderful people. So thanks again for joining us. And if you don't yet get our newsletter, make sure to go to www abetterworld.tv you can sign up for the free newsletter and uh, next week we'll have Dr. Joe Dispenza on uh, neuroscientist chiropractor, healer and awesome educator at large uh, talking about how to get smarter and um, essentially manifest more peace and well-being in our lives thanks again and I look forward to seeing you all next